MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, January 24th, 2020. Today, new polling on impeachment. Maine Justice gives an excuse for withholding the Kushner interview. Lindsey Graham crackers freaks out at a presser. The Pence call is entered into the record. Matt Gates has the sads. Trump makes major errors in Davos. And Pompeo will testify if legally required. I'm your host, Jordan Coburn. Uh, AG and Mandy are out on vacation today, but today I have a guest host with me, my dear friend, Steve Shustick. Hello, everyone. Yay. Hey, thanks, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Uh, Steve is a very funny comic in the scene, and we, uh, fun fact, are actually starting a new podcast together. Uh, but aside from that, we'll talk, we can talk about that at the end of the show. Um, but... We disagree on a lot of shit, and Steve identifies as a libertarian-ish. Libertarian yeah. Ish. Yeah. So I think for the for the purpose of this, you can consider me like a disenfranchised Republican who's fed up with Trump, but perfect. also hates Democrats. Oh, may- oh well, not <laughs> well, that hate hates probably too strong a word, but yeah, that's okay. Uh, well, I want you to be honest here. Well, okay, this is a safe space. I should be. I should be clear. Politicians, sure. <laughs> not the, not, not the rank and file guys. <laughs> no worries. Uh, this is. You are not on home turf here right. on the Daily Beans. I'm literally in somebody's house. Like, you are in literally else's and figuratively. House. Yes, and uh, the people listening, if you say things, uh, you know, they might disagree with you, but that's totally fine. You can hit them up on Twitter, by the way, because we always get tweets when we fuck up or say some shit that they uh, <laughs> either strongly agree with or disagree with. So if that happens with Steve, you can find him on Twitter at uh, Steve Shus, S T E V E S C H U S. Perfect. World's worst Twitter handle. Yeah, I've seen worse. <laughs> it's not too bad. Um, okay, so let's kick it off. Uh, well, I guess actually, AG always asks us how our day is. How was your day, Steve? It was good. It was good. Busy, it was busy good. with uh, my day job, but oh, overall, yeah. 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 Happy to be here, though. Good, 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 good. Do you and want to divulge anything about your day job, or, or you don't? Probably you don't, not. Not perfect. Yeah. Okay, great. Let's just keep. Let's just keep it going. <laughs> I had a good day too. All right, uh, let's move on. <laughs> Let's kick it off with the hot notes. Hot notes. So yesterday was an incredible day for the Democrats as they try to balance their really airtight case with a need for additional witnesses and documents. Again, Steve, feel free to jump in at any time with your comments. Uh, one at a time, each of the House managers went up and presented the case against Trump, including transcripts, emails, text messages, and 50 or so video clips laying out in chronological order the facts of the case with an incredible introduction by Adam Schiff. Um, did you, were you able to catch any of that? No, I didn't catch any of that, but I, I mean, because I don't really follow the impeachment too much because it's kind of boring and I just, I know Trump probably did something. Just kind of roll my eyes at it at this point, you know, but I have been, been watching the, like the comments on Twitter and reading the, the articles of the publications I read. Like mm-hmm. I, I read a lot of national, I'm more of a national re- review Republican rather than a Fox News Republican. Does okay. that make sense? Yes, it does. But um, I know that Adam Schiff has not been the most popular person with, with Republicans. That being said, every comment that I've been reading today and every article I've been reading today by like conservative publications is like, wow, Adam Schiff really knocked out of the park today. Yes. I mean, they're even saying that on the right, so I don't know. Yes. He is like an amazing prosecutor. It's crazy. And everything that he says, I mean, really, all the House managers are doing really well, and they're just like... It's it's awesome watching this sort of baton handoff between all of these former prosecutors, and I think only one of them isn't. I think Val Demings, she was... Um, like, so you watched the whole thing? Not the whole thing, no. Mm-hmm. I had to do something else for a couple hours today. Um, but It's really long, right? It's like I mean, it's like since you wake up, yeah. and then it's still going right now. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's so much stuff. But yeah, I have more or less had CNN in the background because they're just doing a constant live feed of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do, for when it was leading up to these trial days, we were nervous that the media wasn't going to be allowed a lot of access. And there was talk of like, you know, are they going to get the feed on CNN and stuff? Is C-SPAN just going to get it or what's it going to look like? But it's it's playing across all theaters mm-hmm. near you, you know? 
So that's been good. Um, but yes, Adam Schiff is just like so competent. You know when you see someone and you're just like, my God, that person is fucking mm-hmm. competent. Yeah. That's Adam Schiff. Just good at any endeavor it seems he like seeks out to do. I did I did see one clip of his though today where he said something along the lines of uh, the impeachment uh, shouldn't be adjudicated by the election because we don't have any faith that the election results will be valid. And I was like, well, come on now. Like that's a... Yeah. You can't like because when Donald Trump said the exact same thing during mm-hmm. the presidential debates, all the Democrats were like, oh, my God, what a danger. What a dangerous thing to say. What a threat to our democracy. Then he wins and it's like, oh, wait, the elections aren't valid. It's like, well, you kind of got to you kind of got to pick a side here. People, yeah. You know? Yeah. Except the difference here being Trump was actively engaged in a campaign to help him get elected via a foreign government's help. So. Whereas what he was saying, which is that, what was his talking line bullshit, that it was all rigged for Hillary or some shit? That's what you're referring to, right? Well, I think they asked him in one of the debates, like, will you accept the results of the election regardless of whether you win or lose? And he's like, I'll I'll let you know at the time. Yes, he was trying to prepare for, like, his inevitable loss, or so we thought at the time. Yeah, so you're saying if people were going to call bullshit on that then they don't get to not call bullshit. Yeah, and to be fair to Adam Schiff, I don't know what his specific remarks are when Trump said that three years ago. So yeah. maybe he's not being a hypocrite, but it just seems like to me like yeah. our elections are valid. We don't live in a banana republic. I'm, I'm sorry Trump won, you know, but... Yeah, I mean, that's still very much up in the air. And I think I, I think I personally don't... I believe that Trump's team cheated, with the help of Russia, 100%. I believe that, among other things. But doesn't that contradict the Mueller report? In what way? Because I would say no. Interesting. Yeah. All I know, because, again, it's it's so much, and it's it becomes a headache to follow it all, but my understanding is the Mueller report came out, and he said that Trump did not collude with Russia. That's what Barr would like you to believe. <laughs> Interesting. Yes. Well, okay. I mean, the reason I would say that you probably have that impression is because... Bill Barr, the attorney general, who is mm-hmm. a huge Trump sympathizer and big advocate of expansive executive power, released these memos that essentially framed the Mueller report in the way that would be beneficial to Trump. So walking away from the memos thinking, OK, so basically what's the takeaway here? Mueller didn't find enough. Well, what was I, th- I thought the conclusion or the, the debate was more about the obstruction part than the actual collusion part. I thought it was pretty settled that he didn't collude with Russia, but the point of contention was whether or not he obstructed the investigation into whether he colluded with Russia. All of those have such a nuanced right. answer that was, would probably be hard for us to get a lot into right now. Yeah, let's just keep but, it. <laughs> let's just keep but, with the current yes, events. Yes, but I but I will say, uh, long story short, a lot of the reasons, and this is what I and the people on this podcast and a lot of our listeners maintain, is the reason they weren't able to come out and definitively say, we have him on this, 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 and all you know all the things it seemed like we were going to get him on, is mm-hmm. because of non-cooperative witnesses, mm-hmm. first off, a, lo- a process that really, th- Mueller had to bail on a lot of different leads, for example, just because of their refusal to cooperate, or he would hand a lot of stuff off to different um, courts. That's one of the reasons Mueller sure still even exists is because of that because he's passed off so much stuff. Mm-hmm. There was so many webs mm-hmm. of like corruption happening. But the short answer for me is if Mueller was able to actually do his job, there is no chance in hell Trump would not have been found guilty. Mm-hmm. But then there's also this legal count, this um, office of legal counsel, OLC, OLC, they call it. Okay. Um, this opinion, it's a legal opinion that says you can't indict a sitting president. So I've heard of that too. Right. So then that's the other element. That's another big conversation that was kicked off is like, did Mueller not come out and say that, you know, he's he's guilty of these actual like crimes? Because can he even say that? He's a pretty conservative guy, seems to agree in upholding that OLC memo mm-hmm. and in the fact that you you know, in his mind can't indict a sitting president. So does that alter what he puts in the report? Mm. Yeah. Anyways, 
You should listen to the podcast, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I've never listened to, to Mueller, she wrote, but I, I have checked out a couple episodes of the of the Daily Bean. Oh, sure. nice. Yeah. Okay, good. Yes. I guess well, I'd, yeah. I'd have to go way, way back and oh, start yeah. from the beginning well, to get we, caught up on this, huh? We have a whole series on the Mueller Report that you can actually find where AG and us, uh, mostly AG, goes over the entirety of the Mueller Report in sections. So you should definitely listen to that. Um, but moving on to how Adam Schiff is a badass. Yes, the okay. Republicans hate Adam Schiff. Mm-hmm. Because he's doing a great job mm-hmm. exposing everything consistently. He's doing such a good job. And they're trying to pull all this bullshit like they want to call Adam Schiff as a witness because they think he's been corruptly propagating this witch hunt. Hmm. You know. So yeah, they hate him because he's dope. And he continues to be dope over the last few days in the Senate trial. Uh, this is one of the quotes from him that was pretty powerful over the coming days we will present to you and to the american people the extensive evidence collected in the house's inquiry into the president's abuse of power overwhelming evidence despite his unprecedented obstruction into that misconduct so i think that sentence really sums up how today went it was a big uh abuse of power day Mm -hmm. so the house managers i don't know if you're familiar with like what that looks like but basically the house managers are are kind of like the main prosecutors Mm -hmm. and then they come up and present their case in various different ways over the different days today they were really focusing on like i said that abuse of power stuff uh but let's listen to adam schiff's opening statement because i think it does a good job of orienting us and kind of where we're at right now two days ago we made the case uh, for documents and for witnesses uh, in the trial yesterday we walked through the chronology the factual chronology at some length. Today we'll go through Article 1, the constitutional underpinnings of abuse of power and apply the facts of the present scheme to the law and Constitution. And here I must ask uh, you for some forbearance. Of necessity, there will be some repetition of information from yesterday's chronology, and I want to explain the reason for it. You have now heard hundreds of hours of deposition and live testimony from the House condensed into an abbreviated narrative of the facts. We will now show you these facts and many others and how they are interwoven. You will see some of these facts and videos, therefore, in a new context, in a new light, in the light of what else we know and why it compels a finding of guilt and conviction. So there is some method to our madness. Tomorrow, we will conclude the presentation of the facts and law on Article 1, and we will begin and complete the same on Article 2, the President's unconstitutional obstruction of Congress. The President's counsel will then have three days to make their presentations, and then you will have 16 hours to ask questions, and then the trial will begin. And then you will actually get to hear from the witnesses yourself, and then you'll get to see the documents yourself, or so we hope, and so do the American people. And after their testimony, and after we've had closing arguments, then it will be in your hands. All right, so there are some other clips that I was going to play, and I have to apologize in advance because this stuff was literally coming out as I was driving over here, so this is going to be a recording on my phone, on my voice memos, notes from my iPhone. Uh, this is of other house manager, Sylvia Garcia, another person who's just been absolutely killing it. I think what she said here is pretty powerful. So let's listen to my phone. Corruptly pressure Ukraine. Indeed, the entire quid pro quo, the this for that, the entire campaign to use the Oval Office meeting as some kind of asset for the president's re-election campaign was corrupt. Officials knew this. Ukrainians knew this too. And I think deep down, we all know it. And I think the American people know it. Senators, I ask you this one question. Is that not an abuse of power? Was it okay? If it's not an abuse of power, then what is? Is it okay to withhold official acts from a foreign country until that foreign country assists your re-election effort? If any other public official did that, he or she would be held accountable. I know that if one of us did that, we would be held accountable. 
The only way to hold this president accountable is right here in this trial. Otherwise, you would be telling Ukraine and the world that it's okay for the president to use our Oval Office and this country's prestige and power for himself instead of for the American people. So that's a huge. Okay. Oh my. <laughs> I'm assuming that wasn't Adam Schiff because I was not captivated. That was Sylvia Garcia, but it's con- who, who is she? She's another House manager. Um, she's a she's a uh, senator. Or, uh, she is a representative. Or a representative, rather. Mm-hmm. Yes, and let me confirm exactly where she's from. Sylvia Garcia is. Oh, look at this. Oh, I was gonna say I don't have Wi-Fi. Um, she's in U.S. Rep for Texas 29th District since 2019 so she's pretty new um but she i know i you might not think it's the most exciting thing to listen to but but like the point I'm, I'm is <laughs> yes the point is is that i just i like that clip because i thought it really like honed in on what they were talking about today which is basically abusive power consists of using your official title essentially to help you get personal gains that mm-hmm do not help the national interest. In fact, they're uh, detrimental to it in this case. And they have, have you heard of the ABCs of impeachment back from when the impeachment hearings were going on? No. So Nadler and others were going down with this same acronym. Acronym? Yes. Right? ABC. (laughs) God, I need to go back to (laughs) fucking elementary school. Uh, But yeah, it's so the A is for abuse of power, B is betrayal of national interest, and C is corruption. Uh So it's looking for the the ABCs of those acts. So a lot of today was just them going through and saying, you know, this constitutes this, this constitutes that, this constitutes that. And Republicans have been saying that abuse of power doesn't rise to the level of high crimes and misdemeanors. And Democrats are saying uh, the contrary and Mm. proving their point with all of this evidence. They have like... They're cueing clips. Like, it's a whole production. They're doing it amazingly, honestly. Yeah. It's very, very impressive. You mean the the Democrats? The Democrats, uh-huh. yeah. They're they're objectively doing a really good job. Like uh-huh. you said, you're seeing comments of from people yeah. that well, are- Did you see that clip of Lindsey Graham uh, congratulating Adam Schiff today? No. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a video of him, like, in the halls of Congress talking to Adam Schiff, like, hey, man, good yeah, job great today. Set. Yeah, yeah. yeah, great <laughs> set. Good great job. Set. <laughs> That's a hot five. Yeah, that's amazing. There's a lot of that stuff that's happening, I think. There's even Matt Gates. You know, do you know Matt Gates? I think so. Okay, yeah. so yeah, he's a Republican from Florida. He's a fucking worst. But he actually said that the Democrats presented their case to the public like cable news, but the Republican team was more like an eighth grade book report. <laughs> do you agree with that? Oh, yes. Who, who, who are the main people on the, the Republican side arguing their case? Um, so for Trump's side, basically, it's just his legal counsel, really. That's going up there. So like Pat Cipollone, I don't know if you've heard that name, or nope. Cipollone, or Jay Seculo, or Seculo. Mm, never heard of Everyone, any of these guys. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I know I know Giuliani's one of his lawyers. I assume he's not there, <laughs> he right? He is not. <laughs> no. <laughs> he's over in no, he somewhere was a- <laughs> being shady. Like, isn't he in like, Ukraine being shady right now or something? Is he in Ukraine being yeah. shady? I'm sure he's constantly... He's constantly doing shady shit his exact whereabouts right now i'm actually not positive of so i feel like you sent me a text a couple weeks ago saying that you couldn't believe that what right yeah well what, he was on like was that? he was on was it his tour of kiev and that might be it, yeah. yeah and he was also in um amsterdam i want to say just or wait or hungry giuliani boot boot right budapest and yes, but he was basically just going on a like a criming spree to go over there to get footage for to help produce footage for this documentary. Uh, yes, Budapest it was. It's um, so Budapest weird what and happened Kiev. Like after nine eleven, yeah, right. Remember? That, well, yeah, you're probably like a fan of him back uh, yeah, in those days. Yeah, for a very long time, I thought he I thought he was you know, I guess presidential timber almost. You know, like mm-hmm. I, like. A, a reasonable Republican. Yeah. He liked him on policy. He seemed fairly moderate on social issues, but yeah. still, you know, conservative enough for me. And and then, like, Trump came along, and he seems to have lost his goddamn mind. And it's oh, like, what? yeah. And I don't understand, like, what's the incentive for him to, to be such a, a toady to Trump? Relevance, I think. Uh, I mean... He's yeah. always been striving for relevance. 9-11 is the best thing that ever happened in his career. It really is. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. It's really fucked up, but it is. Um... I mean, yeah, did I no fault of his own on that. He happened to be mayor and did a good job, but, like, still, yeah, he he definitely personally benefited from that disaster. Yeah, I think he's just been struggling to be a player. 
since then, basically. Um, and he's since, I don't even know, I don't know how involved in corruption he was back then compared to where he's at now, but right. I definitely know where he's at now. <laughs> right, so like for all we know, insane. he's always been a loon. He just presented himself so well, but yeah. it seems like he stopped trying to present himself well. I'm like, yes. I, I just can't figure it out. Yeah, Same definitely. with kind of Lindsey Graham too, who I, I don't have as much of a like a history of following him, but I always liked him. You know, he's, he's a bit of a, like a, a rogue Republican, best friends with McCain. It's like, I always liked Lindsey Graham and now it's like. What happened? No spine. Yeah. Absolutely no spine. I almost wonder, like, is it is he playing the long game? I think they see that what is on the horizon is the demise of the Republican Party as a whole. Uh-huh. And so because of that, all of them are willing to stick by Trump, mm-hmm. even though Trump is not a Republican. No. He does not do any justice to, I'm sure, what the more noble aspects of, you know, the party is right. that they think. Right. <laughs> um, the the intellectual foundations of, of the party. Yeah, right, Trump yeah. doesn't give a fuck. No, yeah. And honestly, honestly, neither do they. That's what they're proving right mm-hmm. now. I, I would be very, very surprised to get inside their brain and see they're actually making some sort of true moral calculation that ends up with anything other than I still want to be in power. Right. Um, but uh, just to wrap up some of the MP- or Senate trial stuff, uh, the Dems spent a lot of time they, they reconstructed the April ouster of Yovanovitch and picked apart Trump's decision in May to count, cancel Mike Pence's trip to Ukraine, which Ukraine sought as a, an important gesture of support, basically. They also went over the two weeks in July when administration officials sounded alarm bells over Trump's decision to withhold military aid amid his call for, for Ukraine to announce investigations into Biden and the 2016 election, which I don't know if you've heard, Steve, but that's also now being disputed. They're saying that... It's probably silence your phone. Yeah, I should. <laughs> <laughs> that was a super noob move. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, good. I'm sorry. What were you saying? Um, just the conspiracy theory of now needing to investigate 2016 interference because Giuliani and his crazy people are saying that it was actually Ukraine that investi- interfered in the election and not Russia. Have you heard that yet? I think so, but it all it all kind of melts together, you know? Yeah. Um. But well, I guess that's just g- what they're g- get me up to speed on what. what are well, the, I mean that that's that's just it, pretty much. They're just they've concocted like this crazy theory to try to defect deflect the blame off of Russia and now onto Ukraine. So they're saying Ukraine intervened on the election on behalf of Hillary. Uh, yeah. Bas- basically, they're they're naming off all of these names of people that they said were meeting with corrupt Ukrainian officials who were giving them damaging information to people like Paul Manafort, for example, Mm -hmm. and that Ukraine was the one that was actively working with people in the U.S. against Trump. So they're trying to now, first off, make some sort of like moral equivalency, but they're honestly even blowing past that and they just seem to want to forget all of the Russia shit because Mm -hmm. it doesn't look good for Trump. Um, But... So they continued on describing the worry among the diplomatic corps about the withholding of the aid in August and September. That's that was a huge part of today is basically just like this was passed through very official channels. And then he used very unofficial channels to stop mm-hmm. the release of the aid. My understanding was that the aid was actually never withheld. So that's I'm I'm mistaken. You are mistaken. Okay. Yeah. Where did you read that? <laughs> I don't remember. Okay. <laughs> yes, it was definitely withheld until the whistleblower complaint went public. Okay. Yeah, it was literally days after it was made public in Adam Schiff's committee that okay. it was released. And part of that timing and that timeline is what really amounts to a lot of, you know, like consciousness of guilt. Mm-hmm. Um, Republican Senator John Kennedy said of the Dems presentation, uh, Nine out of ten senators will tell you they haven't read a full transcript of the proceedings in the House, and the tenth senator who says he has is lying. And that's despite multiple Republicans saying that we've heard this all before constantly. Uh-huh. So that's a, that's a very frustrating element of all of this, is there's so many details yeah. that the Democrats are doing an incredible job of laying out, like I said. And, like, I heard on the radio today, they were talking on NPR, apparently, like, one of the Republicans brought fidget spinners in to the lunch hall (laughs) and, like, distributed them to Republicans. What a great troll. Yeah. Was it it Mike Lee? I I don't know. I don't know his name. I don't know who it was. It seems like a Mike Lee move. Yeah. I don't fucking... It's just, like, so... Not the time, uh-huh. you know? You have freaking Chief Justice presiding over this, and you're going to sit there with fucking fidget spinners? Piece of shits. <laughs> <sighs> I kind of admire the trolley aspect of it. I'm though. Like, sure that's pretty you funny. do, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
But the tightrope here that Dems have to walk is the simultaneous presentation of an overwhelming case, yet the necessity for even more witnesses and evidence. They're, I don't know if you've heard that aspect of it, but the biggest fight recently that they've been having, Dems and Republicans, is having new witnesses called. Witnesses. Mm-hmm. So I know the Republicans want to bring up Hunter Biden uh-huh. and the Democrats want to bring up John Bolton, right? Yes. Is, is that the... Yeah, we covered that yesterday. There's talk of like a switcheroo maybe mm-hmm. that's going to happen. But then there's a, what do you also... think about that? Uh, I mean, would you take that trade? I personally, I mean, if I was in their position, I guess part of me would say, yeah, because you mean the Democrats position. Yes. Uh-huh. Part of me would say yes, because, you know, like who gives a fuck? They're not going to get anything out of Hunter Biden. And it's the other part, though, is that it's completely irrelevant to what's actually being talked about, whereas John Bolton is very uh, relevant. So it's like placating them in a right. way that might just kind of like be a big pile of dump on the whole proceeding. But so the the, the only reason Republicans want to bring Hunter Biden up, Hunter Biden up, is that uh, I guess just as a distraction, right? Because yeah, well, they're it, saying he probably is corrupt, and there probably is some kind of connection because apparently he's just some loser alcoholic right that somehow got on the board of some company i mean that's one way to describe him i guess probably the the i don't know it's probably the least courteous way i could describe it yeah and uh apologies to anybody with a drinking problem out there i certainly don't mean to (laughs) disparage that but yes um but either way even if you know hunter biden and his relation to his dad and his appointment to that board is corrupt like that has zero relevance to the phone call exactly trip, right so that's just kind of like misdirection yes so i think i would take that trade if you could get john Bolton because it would be dumb and pointless and go nowhere yeah then yeah, you still get but like in a john good Bolton. way right yeah yeah what a shitty game of chess <laughs> so sad um se- uh, several people in news organizations pointed out that a slew of senators had left their seats and were either just loitering around the back of the chamber in the cloakroom which of course they fucking have that shit a cloakroom, a cloakroom. <laughs> or even giving interviews on fox news during the trial uh-huh. that's something that happened which is an infraction of the rules that justice roberts has so far failed to acknowledge so that's shitty um and today did that- any democrats leave though because i mean they're sitting in there for what 12 hours or something i, I mean, imagine a lot i'm of sure people they leave at left. some point but i know none of them went on msnbc sure, to yeah, an interview yeah. when they were supposed to be sitting in right. the chamber um but today nadler played lindsey graham statements from clinton's trial on why impeachable offenses need not be a statutory crime so that was that's that's a that's always a nice little bit of you know we have this schadenfreude segment that's kind of a, <laughs> a nice amount of schadenfreude when those old clips come out that are incredibly uh-huh. inconvenient yeah, yeah. to their case um so that's what's been happening today and yesterday and then in other news mike pompeo is now saying that he's willing to testify in the trial if he's legally required to do so house managers want to hear from pompeo about what he knew about the unofficial campaign in ukraine and pompeo also said he still needs to reschedule that meeting with Zelensky that they were supposed to have back in december but had to postpone because of the increasing tensions with iran remind me uh pompeo's job title uh pompeo secretary of state okay yeah um, and he's been on the road traveling around so much lately. It's been really hard for the House Foreign Affairs Committee to get any. Oh answers. yeah, he's the guy that replaced Tillerson, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm caught up. Yes, and he's. Um, they just need him to answer a lot of questions about various <clears throat> topics. One of them being the strike on Soleimani and the end run around Congress on mm. that. And then he also owes Congress answers to the questions of what was happening with the alleged surveillance of Yovanovitch. And what looked like was a mob-like endeavor, basically, based on these texts between Hyde and Parnas. I don't know if you heard about those. I did read a little yes. bit about that. I was super confused on the context. It is, it is yeah. kind of confusing because, I mean, basically, Hyde is like a nobody, you know, running for Congress, just like it, kind of idiot. Mm-hmm. Parnas described him as a complete drunk that he doesn't take seriously when uh-huh. he did an interview with Maddo. So when Maddo was asking him questions about those texts... He's like, he's just a crazy drunk person. I was kind of placating, you know, I don't really think anything was actually happening. But Hyde was like sending all of these texts that made it sound like Ivanovich was being actively surveilled and either he was completely lying or Parnas is completely lying about any efforts that were actually happening. So there's just a bunch of questions that need to be answered because if that was going on that's incredibly alarming because it seemingly looks like they were planning to do a hit job right on our own imba- like an ambassador yeah. 
So what, I guess what, what would Trump's role be in that? Like, how's, how's that related to, to him? Because Yovanovitch was a person who was standing in the way of Giuliani being able to swoop in there and enact his whole Ukraine plan, basically, mm-hmm. because she is not down for any of that shit. Mm-hmm. And so when they ousted her, there was the, the person they replaced her with wasn't even necessarily like a he's not even like a Trump sympathizer, but it allowed them to have a gap in time where they could just engage in whatever diplomacy they mm-hmm. wanted, basically, without having the check of someone that has number one, any institutional knowledge of what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. There was no oversight whatsoever. They just got to act however the hell they wanted to, basically. Um, So that's that, everyone. That's our first block. Uh, We will be right back with more Hot Notes on the other side. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hello, Beans listeners. You know as well as I do how hard it is to stick to a fitness routine. Maybe you're one of those people who know exactly what you're doing but need new ways to take your workouts to the next level. Or maybe you have no idea what you're doing and you just need a baseline to help you reach your goals. I need my daily workouts, but there are days when you could not drag me to the gym with a dog sled, which is the easiest way to go, I guess. A personal trainer would help, but who can afford that? That's why I started using Future. Future is amazing. I got paired up with an amazing world-class trainer. She created a personalized workout plan and worked it around my recording schedule. She's great. She checks in with me daily. Uh, She makes sure that I stay on track, make sure I'm making adjustments or changes as I progress, and she follows along with all the info on my Apple Watch. And what if you don't have an Apple Watch? Well, when you sign up to train with Future, they send you everything you need, including an Apple Watch. That's so awesome. Don't overpay for a trainer. Get the workouts you need to meet all of your fitness goals and take your trainer with you wherever you go with Future. Sign up for Future today at tryfuture.com slash dailybeans and get 50% off your first month. That's tryfuture.com slash dailybeans for 50% off your first month. Tryfuture.com slash dailybeans. All right, and we're back. The New York Times has just filed a brief in one of their Freedom of Information Act cases on Ukraine because the Trump administration is withholding documents on the basis of privilege. Uh, First is the presidential privilege claim, to which the New York Times responds that this privilege is limited to people close to the president, and many of the OMB staffers are too far removed for presidential privilege to be applied. Perhaps another case of Trump just trying to say people are his friends (laughs) when they are not. So that's the New York Times saying that? Yeah. Where are, the, where are they getting that legal reasoning from? Um, I mean, their staff, they have like so many different kinds of writers and stuff. Sometimes it's just like straight up reporting. A lot of stuff is just op-eds. They just have a bunch of leads right? and communications with people that other agencies don't have. I guess I'm just naturally inclined to distrust the New York Times. So I don't the know, failing but, New York yeah, Times. <laughs> yeah, the failing New York Times. But I, I don't have enough context and that sounds that sounds right well i mean they're definitely not perfect there's Mm. certain authors there and and like reporters and like they've released some articles where we're like what the fuck is that all about well i think the reporting is definitely a lot better than their uh like opinion yeah i think that line gets smudged a lot with the new york times yeah there have been some pretty important news days that I mean, it was kind of mayhem in the media all around, I guess, but, like, New York Times kind of rushed to put out a story, and they had to, like, retract what they had said, and they don't do that too often, but I guess my point is, they're not perfect. Mm. Um, As Austin Evers points out on Twitter, uh, that it wouldn't be wise for the administration to argue that Trump was central to the withholding of military aid to Ukraine, and by invoking presidential privilege, that's exactly what they're doing. The next kind of privilege argued is deliberative process privilege, which protects internal deliberations about policy, but the New York Times responds that the decision to withhold the aid was made June 19th, so most of the emails after that date would be considered post-decisional and therefore outside the purview of that kind of privilege. But aside from arguing against each kind of privilege in this case, the New York Times makes the point that the privileges can't be used to obscure governmental wrongdoing, and these privileges are designed to protect legitimate deliberations, not corrupt deliberations. (laughs) Since the Government Office of Accountability determined that holding the aid was unlawful under the Impoundment Control Act, that happened a couple weeks ago, and all the evidence put forth in the House impeachment inquiry, deliberations to withhold the aid qualify as misconduct and cannot be protected by privilege. So the information should be released. And um, finally, the New York Times argues that the administration waived all the privilege by talking about the Ukraine aid in public, including the testimony of OMB official Mark Sandy during the impeachment inquiry. So both kinds of privilege, if they were legit, 
wouldn't cover these documents, and you can't invoke privilege to cover up wrongdoing, and you waive that shit by talking about it, it in public all over the place. So this that's, is that's the part that I really like. <laughs> yes. That's that's so on brand for for Trump and his crew to just like blow off at the mouth and say dumb shit. It's like, dude, you don't say the quiet part out loud. Yes, <laughs> they do that all the time, yeah. especially Giuliani. Yeah, they just. I fucking, I think they're getting closer to just not letting him go on TV anymore. But yeah, it's like, they really just need to shut up. So this is just a really strong response and we'll keep you posted on how it all turns out. But this is just one of several cases that could cause the truth to come out to the public, regardless of how Republicans in the Senate rule. And if they acquit and this stuff gets out, they're going to have a really hard time defending a vote to refuse to hear witnesses. Uh, and in, in other news, we learned that the DOJ failed to turn over the FBI summary of Jared Kushner's Mueller interviews last week. And this is going against the judge's order to do so. The reason, apparently, is because a member of the intelligence community needs to make sure everything is redacted that needs to be redacted. Uh, judge Reggie Walton is the one that ordered the FBI to give CNN and BuzzFeed access to these Mueller witness memos that the House has already reviewed just in secret, and this was going to include Kushner's, and it was supposed to happen by January 17th. So Manafort's, Pages, and Papadopoulos's were all released on time, so everyone's just kind of wondering why Kushner's has such a holdup. Uh, but yeah, go go BuzzFeed, go CNN. FOIA lawsuits are really important right now because they're suppressing FOIA? everything. Of freedom of information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's BuzzFeed has been making a huge name for themselves throughout the last few years doing FOIA lawsuits and just like getting all of this information out to the public's eyes that hmm. otherwise people would have just had to accept they weren't going to see. BuzzFeed? Really? Yeah. So are they like publishing it in like listicles? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like top 10 reasons Trump's lying. Yes. Uh, yeah, huh. basically. Yeah, they Because I don't um, associate them with journalism at all i know it's interesting right it is and they've they've played such a big role they they had an amazing piece on like the trump tower moscow and they got all of these communications and stuff between you know people like cohen or like felix Sater and and you know people in russia and putin's assistance essentially and just all of these communications that totally negated so much of the things that trump and all of his people have said about that project so very very satisfying yeah yeah it's really cool they're really making a name for themselves like legitimately um all right guys we are gonna be right back we'll see you on the other side of this break with some more hot notes and some good news hey friends jordan here this portion of the daily beans is brought to you by root insurance when people are looking to save money i always recommend looking at their monthly expenses price shopping for things like car insurance can put a lot of money back in your pocket especially if you find a great deal like root insurance Root can save you a bunch of cash because they assess rates differently than other companies. Root Insurance has developed a mobile app that measures driving behavior. And instead of basing your car insurance rate on credit score, age, gender, or zip code, Root bases rates primarily on how you drive. By removing bad drivers from the equation, Root saved good drivers up to 52% in 2019. That's amazing. There's a reason why Root has been featured in Forbes, TechCrunch, Wired, The Washington Post, and Fortune Magazine. In 2019, Root was the fastest growing direct insurance company in the U.S. They're the world's first mobile-first car insurance company. Their insurance card is available right from your phone, and if you get into an accident, you can file a claim directly in the app. It's car insurance made easy, with rates based on how you drive, not who you are. All you have to do is download the Root Insurance app, drive normally for a few weeks during the Root test drive, and see how much you can save. Don't wait. Give Root a try. Head to your app store and download the Root Insurance app and sign up in less than a minute to start your test drive today. That's R-O-O-T. Again, download the Root app today or visit joinroot.com to learn more and see how much you could save. Mandatory disclaimer, Root reserves the right to refuse to quote any individual a premium rate for the insurance advertised herein. Savings based on national reviews reported by actual customers. Form 1. Not available in all states. This product is not available in California. All right, and we're back. Uh, Matt Gates suspects a senior White House aide campaigned to push him out of the president's impeachment defense team shortly after Gates votes for Pelosi's War Powers, War Powers Act in the House. Uh, Milkshake Matt was a top contender to be one of Trump's impeachment advisors, but he didn't make the final cut, and he has said he's unsure why, but that he heard from someone in the White House that the legislative affairs director, Eric Uland, is to blame for the snub. Uh, This is a quote. I don't know why it would serve someone in the White House to manufacture a divide between the president and one of his best communicators during impeachment. 
Uh, Uland was asked if he did this and gave a vague answer, saying he did bring up Gates' support for Pelosi's House resolution and that Gates tried to get some of his fellow Republicans to vote for it, too. What a disgrace, supporting a war power. <laughs> that is, uh, that's in reference to Iran, I'm assuming? Uh, yes, yeah, so this is when we talk about, like, the end run around Congress, mm-hmm. them basically, or I shouldn't say them, him, uh, making that call outside Gates or of Trump? Trump. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, that, that could be an interesting topic for us to talk about on, on the I Disagree podcast. Yes. Because... Um, I don't have any problem at all with them killing Soleimani. Like, get that dude. Like, get him. <laughs> that being said, I understand, like, the, the War Powers Act. Like, it should be constitutionally, it's the role of Congress to do that. But that's hasn't been the case for decades under Republican and Democratic administrations. So, yeah, it almost seems like a partisan play at this point. Like, oh, we, well, I mean, we, this is normally fine. But since Trump did it, we have to. I don't. First off, I don't know enough about the history of all the presidents and how much they've acted outside the bounds of informing Congress. Well, I, I mean, it's in terms of war. I don't think we've actually declared war on somebody in who knows how no, long. No, but you can just definitely make the argument that assassinating pretty much their top defense individual is it a assa- is, is it an assassination though? If he's a he's a military officer yes. in uniform on a neutral third country's what else would it be? Well, an assassination would be like taking out a politician or like a, just a regular person. Like a, a, he's a he's a general. Like that's a legitimate military target. I I would think. Yeah, I mean, a hit job is a hit job, I guess. So I don't know if the semantics of or of that word, the nuances <clears throat> of it. Yeah, I can't really speak to that. I guess I just think of an assassination as just like killing someone, basically. Right, in yeah, a planned I guess way. It's, it's more semantics. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean. There's. Have you heard that Trump was presented with a bunch of different options and killing Soleimani, they only put on there because it was such an extreme option. They thought it would put into context. They didn't think he was going to pick it and they thought it would put into context the other options. I, I did read that. But but then it was coming out that Trump decided seven months previous that he was going to do it, mm. that he was going to assassinate, kill, whatever words you want to use, Soleimani. So then his argument of... It being an imminent threat, which is why he did it in the way that he did it, allegedly, without informing Congress. Um, That's how he was trying to justify it. But how is it an imminent threat if it's something you decided to do seven months ago? Well, I think Soleimani's been an imminent threat for years, though. Like, he's orchestrated countless attacks on on Americans. I think you could make the argument that he's been an imminent threat on pick a day on the calendar, and I think that would be a valid argument. Again, I mean, we're talking foreign policy about shit that we don't have access to like to top secret information so Mm -hmm. it's really just speculation but right yeah but i think what is something that we can understand and that americans can understand and congress understands is there are certain procedures and rules Mm -hmm. for how you typically conduct yourself as uh the world's watchdog basically which is how we're seen with the biggest military defense budget and how you act militarily Mm -hmm. and you're not supposed to just do that shit without talking to congress about it first a very simple way of putting that obviously yeah i mean i think i, I would agree with that in principle but i, I just I, that hasn't actually been like the case yeah. for any administration for decades you're saying every president has made calls without consulting congress specifically first. in terms of like military force do you necessarily i mean there there are definitely times that they lay out you know that that's like justified that's why he said the imminent threat thing mm-hmm. but now we have all of this reporting. It wasn't because of an imminent threat. They even walked back their own statements and said, oh, it was because of something Soleimani has done in the past. It's because mm-hmm. of his past behavior. And that can't be the reason for just orchestrating a hit on someone without talking to Congress, without consulting your only check body on you, basically. Well, did uh, did Obama consult Congress before taking out bin Laden? I don't know. Because I think that would, that would be pretty parallel because... That would be based on something Bin Laden did in the past. Let me see. And um, I don't know. I'm not making an argument because I don't know. I don't know if he did or not. How four federal lawyers paved the way to kill Osama Bin Laden. What a lovely article. <laughs> Let's see. Weeks before President Obama ordered the raid on Osama Bin Laden's compound in May 2011, four administration lawyers developed rationales intended to overcome any legal obstacles and made it all but inevitable that Navy SEALs would kill the fugitive Qaeda leader, not capture him. 
uh, stretching sparse precedents. The lawyers worked in intense secrecy, fearing leaks. The White House would not let them consult aides or even the administration's top lawyer, Attorney General Eric Holder. Missing. Wow, really? They did their own research, wrote memos, and highly secure laptops and traded drafts hand-delivered by trusted couriers. Just days before the raid, the lawyers drafted five secret memos so that if pressed later, they could prove they were not inventing after-the-fact reasons for having busted. We should memorialize our rationales because we may be called upon to explain our legal conclusions, particularly if the operation goes terribly badly. So um, they didn't go through Congress, but they they went through their lawyers in case Congress talk shit after the fact i don't i wish i could give you the correct answer i don't know the extent of how much congress was informed or sure. what they had established was well, i'm kind of t- taking you off track here anyway yeah no it's okay i'm glad i mean that's i'm a fan of being consistent yeah. morally right um then again obviously the case of bin laden is i think to our country a lot different than the case of soleimani they're just very very different situations um, but I wish I knew more mm. about all that stuff, but I do not. Um, moving on. An interesting side note about Ewing. He walked past the pen of press at the impeachment today and said, I can't wait for the revenge. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> the very, revenge? It's very ominous. <laughs> Yeah, that's um, gangster. Yeah, it is. Euling also said, while the Trump administration was disappointed, this is going back to the Gates, sorry, I missed this quote. Um, while the Trump administration was disappointed in Mr. Gates' vote, the president's successful policy to reduce Iranian terror and misbehavior proves the path laid out by the president is working. We look forward to working with Mr. Gates in the future. You fake-ass bitch. <laughs> He's so fake. And, uh, okay, moving on to more embarrassing trump news <laughs> he just does not do well when he goes abroad or here really <laughs> he doesn't do well ever no no but he did particularly bad in his latest uh massive social faux pas trump had a uh really awkward moment during his meeting with president of iraqi kurdistan uh Nechervin barzani i'm so oh sorry oh my god i heard about this did he get the countries mixed uh, <laughs> yep. no spoilers go, go ahead yep it's at the world economic forum that's been going on in davos let's listen to that clip well thank you very much it's great to be with president barzani of kurdistan and we have uh, a meeting scheduled for a long time we've wanted to meet we've worked together very well uh, as you know uh, we left syria from the standpoint of the border And that's worked out great with Turkey. It's worked out far better than anybody ever thought possible. They have the so-called safe zone, and I appreciate everything you've done to keep it as safe as possible. But uh, very importantly, as you know, we have the oil, and uh, we left soldiers for the oil because we took the oil, and we're working on that, and uh, we have it very nicely secured. We also have thousands of ISIS prisoners. Uh, We've taken over 100 percent of the caliphate. So there's a few cringy things that happened there. Number one, uh, Barzani's Iraqi Kurdish regional government hasn't been involved in the safe zone plans along the Syria-Turkey border in areas uh, claimed by Syria's Kurds. So Syrian Kurds are very distinct geographically and politically from Iraqi Kurds. Um, Iraq, Iran, Turkey, and Syria, they're all home to Kurdish populations, so Trump just mix that's like a curd's a curd he basically he actually did something where and i can't remember exactly who it was but there was a reporter who was kurdish and he called him mr curd (laughs) (laughs) how fucking awful is that at the time though apparently the man said that he was happy that he called him mr curd because it, it really solidified his Kurdish identity uh, um, but then after the whole uh, Soleimani uh, or not Mr. sorry not Soleimani pulling out of Syria happened he was like very disappointed and did not have good things to say about the president so that's Mr. Kurt yeah well, so Mr. G- Kurt going back to that previous clip so all the currency things like what was the thing he said about oh he got the oil yeah he said we're keeping the oil <laughs> that, that's one of those things it's like, like we got like, we got the oil we're keeping the oil like I was saying it's like you don't say the quiet part out loud like you shh exactly the thing dude like, exactly <laughs> and it's like ah it's just so bad he says so he just gets really hilariously flustered and it would be hilarious if he wasn't literally on a world stage yeah. with another world leader right it's like what the why write on your hand or something right <laughs> make some effort uh, or just you know i don't know we're both stand-up comics 
when you're up there, you just have to be like, you have to tell your brain to like shut the fuck up sometimes. Yeah. You know, sometimes you want to ramble, but yeah. you can't. Yeah, you have to be disciplined. <laughs> You're the fucking president. And then my favorite thing is when he said that we've taken over one hundred percent of the caliphate. Oh, he said over. He 100%. said over one hundred percent. Well, that is an impressive accomplishment. Yeah. I got a tip of the cap to the uh, commander in chief there. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Exactly. We've taken over one hundred percent. Fucking ridiculous. Ugh. Anyway, he sucks, obviously. And, and coming up next, from BuzzFeed, the U.S.'s top intelligence official, Joseph McGuire, has failed to hand Congress a report on the killing of journalist Jamal Khashoggi. Last month, Congress passed a defense bill requiring the director of national intelligence to give Congress an unclassified report on the killing and gave them 30 days to do so. So we're now past that deadline. The reason it's so important is that if Congress can release the report to the public, it'll be a formal acknowledgement of the intelligence conclusion made by the CIA that Khashoggi's killing was ordered by the Saudi crown prince, Mohammed bin Salman, something that Trump has denied, uh, or I should say MBS has denied, and Trump has basically believed. Trump won't come out and criticize him publicly for it, and this report would hopefully force his hand in that and make him have to come out and say that he did it. Congress members... Well, so Trump just hasn't commented one way or the other? He has commented saying that he just believes him, mm. basically. And that, like, he, I mean, he does that thing, you know, sometimes where he's like, if they did do it, that's really bad and not okay or whatever. And mm. other, he, he'll, like, half condemn, sort of. But on Hitching the other... His bets, yeah. Right. But meanwhile, his son-in-law is, like, concocting all of this, you know, Saudi Arabia, like, crazy... I mean, this is getting very deep into Malaysia Road stuff. Uh-huh. But coordination of like building like like a nuclear like a huge triangle of nuclear reactor, so they're continuously engaging in talks, basically, allegedly, behind closed doors with MBS for things that are not in the nation's interest and are very much in the interest of them and also Russia. Mm. Um, but it's just good news i think if they're going to be held accountable to release this report i think everybody needs to see it the fact that it's going to become available publicly is really important um they've congress members have requested an explanation for why it's late and it's being reported by buzzfeed that nobody's received a response yet so we'll see what happens with that uh all right after this break we're coming back in with our good news block Jordan here. This Helping of the Daily Beans is brought to you by Embark. As my listeners know, I love my dog like crazy and I do anything for him. Uh, recently, my dog had the sniffles. He was sniffling more than an Adderall snorting president trying to read a teleprompter. I was worried my dog might start wearing dumb red hats and claiming windmills cause cancer. So I decided to find out more and give him the Embark Breed and Health DNA test to learn as much as possible about his breed and lineage and how to best care for him. Over 50% of dogs are either at risk or a carrier of a genetic disease and the Embark Breed and Health DNA test screens for any potential health conditions so you have all the information necessary to provide your dog its best life. Embark makes it quick and easy. You just send in one simple cheek swab and they do the rest. Embark uses the most comprehensive DNA testing on the market, looking at over a hundred times as much genetic info as a competition to give the most accurate results and to make future genetic discoveries. Every Embark pup brings us closer to the goal of ending preventable disease in dogs. Luckily, my dog turned out to be fine. He just gets the sniffles during sad movies, but I'm glad I found out. Embark has an exclusive holiday offer you can't get anywhere else. Go to EmbarkVet.com now and use promo code DAILYBEANS to save 15% off your dog DNA test kit. Visit EmbarkVet.com and use promo code DAILYBEANS to save. All right, and we're back with our good news block. Yay, that's our favorite part of the show. Uh, So new polling is out from Reuters indicating a bipartisan majority of Americans want to see new witnesses testify in the impeachment trial of Donald Trump. And the public appears to be largely following the trial. The poll ran from January 17th to January 22nd and indicates public opinion has moved rather significantly on the issue. Now, 72% of Americans agree the trial should allow witnesses with firsthand knowledge of the impeachment charges to testify, including 84% of Democrats and 69% of Republicans. 69%! That's a lot. Yeah. I know a libertarian's favorite thing to do is to question a poll, but... (laughs) <laughs> well, I was I was just trying to to stop myself from making a hacky sixty nine joke. So. Oh, good. Well, you almost did it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's very that's very good news. Uh, and seventy percent of Americans say senators should act as impartial jurors, including eighty per eighty percent of Democrats and seventy three percent of Republicans. 
Uh, this is a direct slight, of course, on people like Lindsey Graham and McConnell, who have openly admitted that they're just not going to be mm-hmm. fair jurors. Uh, I, I've heard that, too, and I just wonder, like, well, not wonder. It just seems like, could any impeachment trial possibly have impartial jurors? Like, that's another example, I guess, of saying the quiet part out loud. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, are the Democrats impartial? Like, they said they wanted to impeach Trump the day he got elected. Okay. <laughs> Again, I have so much to say. <laughs> the notion of being impartial, and I think this is an important point, too, because, like, the whole Lisa Page and Peter Strzok thing, for uh-huh. example, is based off of a similar argument, you know? Like, Those are the texting between the FBI right. agents. Yeah, okay. the, the idea that you can't maintain your own political opinions while also remaining impartial in your actual work, mm-hmm. that's, that's just something we have to accept as possible. Otherwise, we would need every single person that has any sort of consequential job to not have an opinion on something you know so i think that yes it is it is possible for democrats to be impartial jurors and you're probably gonna i mean well this is a bad example i was gonna say you're probably gonna see some democrats that are in you know less solid districts kind of yeah you know entertain some of the republicans points but when you straight up have Lindsey Graham, who's a huge leader for that party, and Mitch McConnell, mm-hmm. who is the leader for that party, coming out saying, we're going to fucking have fidget spinners. Yeah. I know that wasn't them on the fidget spinners. But that's the that's the idea. No, I get it, yeah. Just saying this is a circus, and they're not even going to sit there, and they won't even listen. Everyone knows how they're going to vote already, but the fact mm-hmm. that they would come out and openly admit that they're not even yeah. going to try to listen, yeah, it's fucking bullshit. So what did that the the poll you just read that was that so, wasn't supporting impeachment that was supporting the, that, the right to br- this one seventy percent of Americans say senators should act as impartial jurors. That's for, I'm I'm I'd really like to talk to the thirty percent who disagree with that. Uh, yeah, you know, I know. I mean, I guess you can just like assume that it's i don't know republicans there um, well did, i mean you you read the splits for both right like it wasn't 100 percent on the democrat side either no 80 percent that's true 80 percent of democrats 73 percent of republicans good point point. Yeah. and 60 percent of Everybody's america 60 <laughs> percent of americans have an unfavorable view of mitch mcconnell while 40 percent have a favorable view of him that is a fucking lot of people that have a favorable view of him and i do not like that yuck I guess all that really matters is what the people in his district think about him. Uh, yeah, I guess so. And, uh, or at least, yeah, I don't even know if he gives a shit, really. He just wants he's to a win. in his state, I should say. But, yeah, yeah, well, I mean, either way, he's a piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and two out of three Americans are paying attention to the proceedings, so that's good. 46% say that journalists should be allowed in the Senate chamber. Uh, that's, like I said, been kind of a point of contention. Not allowing journalists then? Yeah, they like. As part of their rules, they like limited access to the media, um, but we're still getting the feed, so at least that's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all right, and here's our last good news story. Also doubles as a Schadenfreude, so let's get to that Schadenfreude. Schadenfreude. So here's some good news. Uh, big pharma exec John Kapoor has been sentenced to 66 months in prison for his role in the opioid crisis. The 76-year-old is the founder of Insys Therapeutics. You know what? I own stock in them. No, and I watched. I watched them crash. It's so. It's such a random coincidence. Like when I got the Robinhood app, I it just it it, it was a hot stock and it was going for like two dollars and it had like a ninety percent buy yeah. rating. So I bought like a couple hundred bucks worth, and then like news articles started coming out. That's the, that's the company that like had like a stripper as their CFO or something, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I I lost a couple hundred bucks on on Insys oh, technologies. Yeah, but I mean, still, it's just, it's so funny. Like, wow, of all the of all the all the penny stocks I could have picked, it's the one with like yeah. strippers. I guess I actually can't confirm that. I said yeah because I was looking at my phone. I don't know if that's true. There's something. I mean, I guess research that on your own, guys. But uh, <laughs> I believe there's something like either their their like chief marketing officer, their CFO is like a stripper and they were taking like clients to strip clubs and giving them lap dances or something. And this is like an executive in their company doing this too. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a really wild story. Yeah, so it's, yeah, it's worth, uh, it's worth doing some, some uh, research on. Well, this will make you feel even worse about investing in them. Uh, they made an aggressively marketed the potent opioid ca- painkiller Subsys, uh, S-U-B-S-Y-S. It was 
apparently his sentence was a lot lower than what prosecutors asked for, which was 15 years. But the judge cut him some slack, I guess, because of his age and his history of philanthropy, they said. Philandering yes. or philanthropy? <laughs> philanthropy. <laughs> uh, Kapoor and four other executives were found guilty last year of orchestrating a conspiracy to basically bribe doctors so they'd prescribe that medication. And also uh, including prescriptions to patients who did not need it. So 1,000% perpetuating the opioid crisis. I'm looking it up right now on my Robinhood app. I bought the stock at $7.64 a share. Mm -hmm. Now it's at $0.04 a share. Oh, my God. (laughs) Rough. Well... That's yeah. what you get for investing in big pharma. Uh, yeah. fair, I mean, fair enough. <laughs> and you also and get a lot of gains. not research. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then they lied to insurance companies also to make sure that the oral fentanyl spray was covered, too. So that is our schadenfreude for today, everybody. And that also concludes our good news block. And that concludes our episode for today. So thank you so much. We miss AG and Mandy, but Steve, thank you so much for filling in. Yeah, thanks for having me. That, that was a lot of fun too, and I, I'm I'm glad I came because the whole like all the stuff going on impeachment so hard to follow, and like I I want to stay up on it, but it's it's difficult. So I know. you've you've helped fill in a lot of the, I'm glad. A, a lot of the blanks. Listen to our podcast. Yeah, for sure. It's being a podcast. Yes, Steve and I are starting a new podcast together. It's called I Disagree and it's Steve and I and we get other comics on and we just disagree about stuff, but it's also lighthearted. So, you know, if you want to hear other people's perspectives, it's a good way to do that and not worry about any other tension, you know? If you're mm-hmm. conflict averse, we work through that pretty well. It's called I Disagree. You can follow us on Twitter at the I Disagree Pod and follow us on Patreon at patreon.com slash I Disagree Podcast. And that's all we got. Uh, you got any final thoughts? Uh, no, that was fun. Thanks, thanks for having me. Totally. Thank you. All right. Uh, as AG would say, I have to remember, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. I've been Jordan Cover. Trump 2020. Oh, God. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Take that back. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Take that back. What's your name? What's that? What's your name? Steve Shustick. There you go. That's who he's been. All right. Thanks, everybody. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by A.G. and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by A.G., Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com.